Hello and welcome to Kylie's Mortgage Podcast, episode number two. I am Kylie Mead Richards, a mortgage and protection advisor with Quilter Financial Advisors. This is the place where I will share with you hints, tips, ideas and strategies around all things mortgages. This is my very first season and my hope with it is that it runs and runs and runs and that I'm able to help as many people as I possibly can navigate the journeys they are either on or want to be on when it comes to residential and buy-to-let mortgages. So let's get started. is coming up on today's show. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about the first time buyer journey and what I consider to be some of the key areas you should focus on and pay attention to and at what stages you should do these. I'm going to be focusing on first time buyers and sharing with you what I consider to be the more common mistakes which can take out a lot of enjoyment from the process. And yes, I do believe that buying a home is and should be enjoyable. You may have been renting for a long time, possibly the majority of your adult life, or always lived at home and your mum and dad have been responsible for paying the mortgage and bills. In both these examples, you're going to be going from not being responsible 100% for the cost of owning, running and maintaining the property, to being 100% responsible. Granted, if you're buying with a partner, you're likely going to be sharing the responsibility. But whatever the division, it's almost certainly going to be an uptick on your previous situation. The enormity of taking on the responsibility of home ownership will not be lost on most, if not all, first-time buyers. And it's entirely reasonable and normal to feel worried, unsure and uncomfortable in situations that we're not familiar with. But it's not necessary to feel high levels of anxiety when going into situations and you can take steps to better prepare yourself to be able to cope better in these scenarios and I am mainly of course talking about knowledge. If you are a first time buyer and you are not fortunate enough to be given the bulk of your deposit if not all of the deposit for your property then you are going to have to save up for it from your income. Depending on your circumstances of course this can mean it's going to take some time. But of course, that doesn't have to necessarily be dead time. You can use this waiting period to prepare yourself by gleaning information from professionals and individuals you trust so that when you are ready to take those next steps, you can do so confidently. So we already agreed that buying houses isn't a normal task and like anything that is large or worth having, it takes work and sometimes a lot of work. Just think about anything in your life that you value. How did you come to have that thing? How did you come to own that car that you drive around in? How did you come to have that great relationship in your life? You worked at it, right? So let's start working towards home ownership. Step one in my mind is always your credit report. And when I say your credit report, I don't mean your credit score. 
often when I ask clients for a copy of their credit report, I get presented with a screenshot of a number, which I'm here to tell you now is not useful to a mortgage advisor. Your credit report can be obtained from the credit reference agencies and it's a very minimal cost. I get a statutory report for £2 um, and I apply for this periodically, especially if I know I'm going to be applying for something like a mortgage. I will be making a standalone show on credit reports because that is just how important they are to the process. If you have got any kind of adverse on your report or you fear you might have some kind of adverse on your report. So you want to get a copy of the credit report and there are a few different agencies you can go to, but the main two I recommend would be Equifax or Experian. Once you have your file, have a look at it and make sure you're happy with the content and that you understand the content. It's no good just getting it to simply put it in the drawer. Have a read of it and make sure that you understand it fully. The agencies themselves will both provide guides and tips on how to read this report and can offer helpful advice on the phone. As I say, I'm going to be going over this in later episodes, so stick around for that. So the next thing that you're going to want to do is to start saving for your deposit as early as possible. Basically, the moment that you decide that you want to apply for a mortgage and you want to start buying a home, you need to start saving in earnest as they are expensive. I'm always asked how much deposit I need for a mortgage, but my answer I'm sure is a little bit annoying to hear because I always just say as large as you possibly can afford. I say this for a number of reasons. Having more deposits means that you've got more options, not only in the style of property that you'll be able to apply for, but also the cost of your mortgage. If you have, for example, a small deposit, you're potentially going to be limiting yourself to what we call a 95% loan to value. Whereas if you have slightly more money, you'd open yourself up to the possibility of a 90% loan to value mortgage, um, for example. And this will be more competitive. And by that, I mean cheaper than a 95% mortgage product. Keep in mind that having the deposit is just one of the costs you will face and having access to funds, including a rainy day fund after you've bought the property is never going to be a bad idea. Next, I would say you need to be clear on your goals, especially if you are buying with a partner. Have an open and honest discussion about what it is you want to achieve in life and where you would like your life to take you. Are children on the cards, for example? What sort of age would you both like to retire? What kind of house or property would you consider making a home for the next three to five years? Next up, I would recommend getting your ducks in the row when it comes to documentation. You should always make sure that uh, you're on the electoral register where you live and that your driving license has your current address on it. Any bank statements which are either used for your savings, um, for your deposit, or they take your wages into, they must also have your current address on them. Make sure that your employer has your current residential property correct so that they are correct on your pay slips. This isn't usually an issue for somebody who's been living in the same property for a while, but it can be an issue for people who move around a lot 
or perhaps they receive online statements rather than paper statements. It's often really easy to miss the fact that your address is an address from somewhere you used to live a while ago. You will need to take various documents in with you when you go for a mortgage interview. And for those of you that are self-employed, this list will be fairly straightforward. When it comes to the application process itself, especially for people who are ready to put in an application because they have found a property they want to put an offer in on, the one thing that does tend to slow down the application is documentation. And if the documents aren't ready for the mortgage advisor, this can slow down the whole process and have your chain feeling rather frustrated and sometimes aggravated. When you're going to a mortgage appointment, your mortgage advisor may send you what I call a shopping list. And it's a really good idea to make sure that you have every single item on that shopping list for them as they will always be required for every single application. And there's very little that can be done if any of the documents are missing. In the majority of cases, if you're employed, you'll be required to provide your latest three months bank statements, your latest three months payslip, and your latest P60, your driving license and your passport, what proof of deposit you have, three months credit card statements, and details of any commitments, including any balances and their end dates. Once you have those discussions with your partner or the person that you're buying a property with and you have your deposit and the copies of your credit report and all of your documentation, you can really then start to work forwards and begin approaching a whole of market mortgage advisor for their advice. There is likely to be a cost when you are instructing and taking advice from professionals, which is something that you need to bear in mind. Your mortgage advisor will take from you your information that will enable them to make a recommendation to you as the mortgage uh, for the mortgage and the likely monthly repayments of your new mortgage. Now, if I had just one pound for every time I advised somebody to wait until they had an agreement in principle or decision in principle in place before they started looking at properties or putting offers in on properties, I would be a very wealthy girl indeed. So what is one of those I hear you ask? An agreement in principle or a decision in principle is a form of promise from the lender which is subject to various conditions. I would always recommend obtaining an agreement in principle or decision in principle before even looking at properties for a couple of reasons. Number one, it gives you a budget to which you can work towards. Your mortgage advisor will work out your affordability from the discussions that you've had together and from scrutinising all the evidence that you've presented them with and weigh this up with the lender criteria and calculate how much it is that you are likely to be able to borrow. So that's the first reason I would suggest getting one. Secondly, it shows both the estate agent and the vendor who is the seller of the property you're going to be viewing that you are seriously offering on the property and that you're able to offer on the property. Most estate agents won't take an offer from a vendor until they have an agreement in principle, but some still do. I do still get occasions where I ask clients to hold fire before looking at properties until I've assessed their affordability, who don't listen to my advice and unfortunately fall in love with a property that is way out of their budget. And sadly, they end up feeling really let down by the process. 
To save, your heart, to save yourself the heartache, I would always suggest waiting until your mortgage advisor has your response before looking and booking any viewings. First time buyers are basically just people who've never bought a property before. And when somebody is inexperienced or new at something, they are undoubtedly going to make a lot of mistake. And so what are some of those more common mistakes? Applying to multiple lenders and via multiple banks and building societies for mortgage funds is one of the most common mistakes I tend to see with first time buyers. In doing this, the clients are doing unnecessary legwork. And not only that, they could be getting rejection after rejection after rejection. And then the clients start to feel resentment towards it. Really what they should be feeling is excitement and anticipation and it should be enjoyable as it's a positive step that you're taking in your life your future and it should be something that you should enjoy doing. So use a whole of market mortgage advisor as they will know which lender to apply for for funds based on your circumstances. After that the next most common mistake tends to be not having realistic expectations about your affordability. The mortgage you will be receiving, if you are lucky enough to receive one, will be worked out using an affordability model. This means that the mortgage that you are applying, that you are being offered, either in principle or formally, has been assessed and is deemed to be affordable to you based on your situation. If you have large outgoings, such as large commitments on things like cars, credit cards or loans, the amount that you'll be offered as a mortgage is likely going to be less than somebody who does not have those types of commitments. So having real, realistic expectations or perhaps even no preconceptions when it comes to how much you will be offered by mortgage provider will help you keep you feeling positive and open-minded for your home buying adventure. So there you have it, my quick tips for starting your home buyer education. If you have any questions about today's episode or you have a question that you would like the answer to personally or what you think might be an interesting episode please don't hesitate to contact me on kylie.meadrichards at quilterfa.com or by getting in touch with me via linkedin facebook or instagram all of these contact routes i will leave in the show notes for this section of the podcast So once again, thank you so much for listening to me on Kylie's Mortgage Podcast. And if you've liked today's show, then please don't forget to leave me a review because as I said, it really does help me get up the rankings. And then this content will be distributed to more people like you who are interested in these types of topics. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Kylie Mead Richards and I'll see you next time. Hello and welcome to Kylie's Mortgage Podcast, episode number two. I am Kylie Mead Richards, a mortgage and protection advisor with Quilter Financial Advisors.